Premier Christian Newscast. Hello and welcome back to the first Premier Christian Newscast of 2023. I'm Tim Wyatt. After a longer than expected Christmas break, sorry about that, we're back with a hugely significant story today. Next month, the Church of England will finally begin to grasp the nettle of what to do about same-sex relationships. At a meeting of the Church's General Synod in London, vicars, bishops and ordinary churchgoers will debate new proposals from the Church's hierarchy which would give gay couples the chance to have their marriages blessed in church for the first time. The C of E's most senior bishops hope this contentious compromise might draw a line under the tortuous and fractious debate on LGBT issues which has bedeviled the church for decades. But already loud voices on both sides are rising, insisting that the blessings idea is a non-starter. This week, we speak to a prominent activist from both factions to hear what they think would be a better way forward and how they predict the Synod showdown will unfold. In a press release last week, the bishops of the Church of England announced after years of debate and discussion they would bring to the Synod their proposals which they hope will end the civil war over sexuality in the Church. If the package passes, it would mean that Anglican churches could, for the first time, offer special services of thanksgiving and prayer for gay couples who have entered into a civil same-sex marriage or a civil partnership. However, it would not allow gay couples to actually get married in church, and nor would it change the church's official doctrine, which would still teach that marriage is only between one man and one woman. In addition, the bishops will be releasing an open letter to the LGBT community which would apologise for the quote, rejection, exclusion and hostility gay people have often faced from the church. They will also urge all Anglican parishes to welcome same-sex couples quote, unreservedly and joyfully and commit to a radical new Christian inclusion founded in scripture, in reason, in tradition, in theology and the Christian faith as the Church of England has received it, based on good, healthy, flourishing relationships and in a proper 21st century understanding of being human and of being sexual. This is unquestionably a big deal. The C of E has been wrestling with how to respond to the dramatic changes in society's approach to LGBT people for decades. And since gay marriage became legal, a growing number of Anglicans, now probably more than half the church's membership, have come to support changing centuries-old teaching on marriage to open it up to same-sex couples. But an equally vigorous conservative faction has fought doggedly against any reforms and appear to have won at least in part a tactical victory. Because changing the official doctrine of the church would need a two-thirds majority in the synod, the bishops have declined to even propose such a reform, knowing that the traditionalist side have the numbers to block them, even if they can't be confident in being the majority anymore. Speaking just before the bishops went public with their proposals for gay blessings but not marriage in church, Ed Shaw, a church pastor in Bristol and prominent figure among the conservative evangelical wing, predicted that they would land on some kind of messy middle ground solution. If I had to guess, I suspect they're going to go for a very small change in their mind that will keep 
says Church United from their point of view, but actually will probably split it more. <laughs> um, as I suspect that I suspect they're going to try and do something that will mean very little legislative, um, you know, shenanigans. Mm. So I think I think they'll go for some commended liturgy from the House of Bishops. Mm. So some kind of pastoral provision, but no kind of addressing canons and no needs for two thirds majorities yeah. and things. Yeah. And I think they will find that they've created such an expectation of, you know, greater change than that, that they'll be. I mean, basically, I'm, I'm expecting in February 2017, on, you know, again, but just in a different way. Shaw, who is himself same-sex attracted and runs the group Living Out for gay Christians who are committed to celibacy, was referring to a pivotal moment in 2017, which was the last time the Synod was asked to vote on sexuality proposals. This time, the bishops offered up no change in either doctrine or pastoral practice, but after a successful campaign by pro-LGBT groups, it was rejected by the Synod. That rebuke in turn produced the six-year-long consultation and research project called Living in Love and Faith, commonly known as LLF, which saw the church dig deep into theology, science and sociology to consider sex, marriage, gender and relationships. The plans for gay blessings are the final fruit of the long and at times laborious LLF process, but it was not just conservatives who feared the bishops would end up with a fudge trying to split the difference between the two sides. Jane Ozan, one of the leading campaigners for full same-sex marriage equality in church, said she had always expected a hierarchy would try to find a compromise. Well, it will be a fudge, won't it? Uh, we always know it will be a fudge. And we also know that people have been very vocal, um, small minorities, but still can be very loud about their desire for no change at all because they threatened to leave at the same, same time thousands have been leaving anyway and you know i just don't think that threats to leave is a great way of having discussions but it will be a fudge and it will probably follow i would have thought what, what happened at lambeth uh, which is you know recognize formal you know the anglican communion primates and bishops have agreed to recognize that there is a plurality of theological views on oh. this and um it would be unusual, I would have thought, for the Church of England, which is part of the Anglican Communion, to do anything, you know, different. Yeah. But um, for me, that does not deal with what I see as the primary issue, which is the safeguarding concerns that I, um, the UN, the medical professions, and many, many people who work in this space know that these you know, conservative religious teachings does such harm and damage, particularly to young LGBT people at a formative stage of their lives. And mm. There is just no responsibility being taken for that. And that is what deeply angers me. Um, mm. Because if we truly understood um, the harm, uh, rather than sort of seeing that as a sort of campaigning instrument or anything, we'd be on our knees weeping and ensuring we weren't allowing anybody else to go through that. At last year's Lambeth Conference, the once-a-decade gathering of all the Anglican bishops from across the world, there was also a reckoning on LGBT issues. With pressure from Western churches in America, Canada and Scotland urging liberalisation, while Conservative churches in Africa and Asia were insisting on a reaffirmation of traditional teaching, the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, came up with another fudge. 
He said it was time the Anglican Communion acknowledged it held two conflicting views on the issue. Some churches had legitimately, after theological reflection and through a godly desire for justice, decided God did bless gay couples and would now marry them. Other churches had equally legitimately held fast to the old definition of marriage. But back in the C of E, a bishop's compromise solution along those lines was likely to only find a chilly reception, Ed Shaw predicted. I think the feel of General Synod, and certainly election addresses and that sort of thing, would suggest that this is a far more, in some ways, polarised synod. It's much, this is not, you know, people talk about the middle ground. I don't think there is much middle ground um, on this, on the, you know, this issue. I just, I can't, yeah, I just can't get my, I think the middle ground has disappeared. And certainly, you know, if you look at the number of people that stated they were inclusive church, the number of people that stated they wanted the church thing to continue with orthodox biblical teaching, you know, if you've done, people that have done some of the analysis of where people are at after the last lot of elections, it would seem, it would seem to be a much more polarised hmm. um, body than it was in 2017. Yeah. And of course, the whole LLS process has just raised an expectation of change. Hmm. Um, you know, and, and, you know, phrases like radical new Christian inclusion, so commending some liturgy that you could use after a civil marriage, it doesn't feel radical for you <laughs> or Christian. You know, it's just, I just, it's, it's, and I know why they'll go for that because it will be a surge. They're trying to keep the show on the road. They should care most about unity. And the thought of having to make any pastoral provision if they did anything more radical than that is something that makes most bishops get their spending salts out, etc. I just, yeah, I can see why they're going to try that, but I suspect it will be, it'll be 2017. Hmm. Jane Ozan, from the other end of the spectrum, also said that the bishop's middle ground would never satisfy those like her who wanted full fat gay marriage in church or nothing. That's unless we move to what I think everybody, frankly, for decades has known as the obvious solution, which is allowing a freedom of conscience for a clergy, like we do with divorce, to allow same-sex marriage. Unless we move to that, we are going to be stuck in these conversations forever. Yeah. You know, this is not going to go away. So some people will say, well, surely a halfway house might be blessings. Well, that's not going to satisfy those of us who want to have, you know, to, to be equal, to be treated as equals in a church where we believe God blesses us and wants to recognize the love that we have for our, you know, for our lifelong partners. Unless we move to a model that has same sex marriage, this issue is going to dog the church and indeed confuse the general public, and dare I say also raise significant questions in Parliament, uh, and that's not just, you know, that is happening right now. MPs uh, are asking, you know, themselves, why have we got an established church which only deals for a select few? Mm. And, you know, those questions will get louder, and this will not go away. So, and indeed, that's not consistent with what Lambeth Agreed. So Lambeth recognised that churches like the Episcopal Church of the United States and the Episcopal Church of Scotland had done the theological groundwork to agree in all, you know, uh, integrity and theological propriety that that that, that same-sex marriage was something that they believed God called them to, you know, to to, to offer. Premier Christian Newscast. 
Premier Christian Newscast. It's far from clear how the Synod will receive the Bishop's proposals when it meets in central London in February. Since the last debate in 2017, there have been fresh elections with lots of new members joining the Assembly of about 400 bishops, vicars and laypeople. Many of those have kept their cards close to their chest when it comes to LGBT questions, so until the first vote nobody can really accurately predict how much support the plans will find. But many are suggesting that if Conservatives and Liberals alike find the idea of gay blessings but not same-sex marriage unacceptable, then they could die a very quick death. I don't know what will happen in Synod. The, the whole challenge for us with this new Synod is that we haven't had a, a debate yet where, which, if you like, will have flushed out yeah. where the middle ground lies. OK, we both, I think both conservatives and what are called vocal progressive, both know they've got about a third of the House each. The question is, where does that middle ground sit? Yeah. And... Um, but I do agree that there is a huge sense of frustration. I think that whoever decided the strategy that they had to muffle synod and not allow any debates over the last five years, you know, was, was strategically an own goal. It was an absolutely ridiculous thing to do. They should have been allowing people to have conversations and debates so that we could actually move, you know, find out and try and track a way forward. Instead, what they've created is a pressure cooker hmm. with no... Um, is it about to explode next month? Well, I, I don't know. I, I think one of the things that slightly um, gives me hope is that the debate in 2017, despite the very high levels of anger, was a, a very good debate. Hmm. I think even politicians have uh, commented just how... Uh, for once, the Church of England gave a, a, a role model to the nation about how to how to conduct itself, and I'm sure we will do similar um, on February the eighth with you know with some grace and decorum. But it won't detract from the need to talk truth, and yeah. there will be some who will spout homophobic um, teachings uh, without any thought for the impact of words we've seen that constantly in the uh, from them over the media in the media over the last few years um and you know quite frankly i'm dreading it because you know yet again um i'm bringing myself into a space which is triggering which is abusive which is harmful and frankly where people just seem to have cloth ears Ed Shaw said that while he had no great love for the bishop's plans coming out of the LLF process, it had not all been a waste of time as it had clarified everyone's positions. Now, he argued, was the time not to try and find a compromise everyone could tolerate, but instead talk about how the two factions could coexist in one church without having to give up their convictions on marriage. Well, ironically, I think the LLF process has got us into a position where people recognise how profound the divisions are, um, where people actually have good relationships with different with people that disagree with them. Mm. And as a result, we could have some positive discussions around how we can, you know, stay together in some form while recognise our profound uh, disagreements and the fact that Church of England structures are going to have to change. So I think, I think there's a massive opportunity to rethink how the Church of England is structured and how it could be structured in a way that part of it allows same-sex marriage and part of it doesn't. I, I think that's the that's the price to be won. I think that could happen. I don't think the House of Bishops are ready yet to consider um, 
the more radical solution that I think probably is in play, partly because of the LLF process, because we've chatted a lot. <laughs> we've got massive disagreements. They're fundamental. They can't easily uh, be bridged. Therefore, let's come up with a, a, a permanent settlement for the Church of England rather than a fudge that will yeah, just leave everybody up to that. And particularly, particularly sexual minorities, particularly people like me or people you know, who want the full acceptance of same-sex marriage. Yeah. And there'd be no pastoral clarity for anybody who is gay, same-sex attracted, and no pastoral clarity for any minister in the church who's trying to give advice to somebody in that situation. Because yeah. we'll be sort of saying, well, you know, we'll be saying, well, it's, you know, we won't bless it, we won't marry you, but we'll say some prayers. Yeah. Which is a sort of ambiguous. I don't know what is. What is that thing? What's that, what that saying to me? Celibacy. Well, it really needs And um, what is it saying to somebody who wants to get married? You can't. I mean, just yeah. The Church of England Evangelical Council has been working for years on ideas on how this kind of differentiation between traditionalists and progressives could work. They have suggested creating a new province within the C of E, which would contain all the conservative parishes, or alternatively, all the liberal ones and that it would then have its own separate rules on marriage, its own archbishop and clergy, and other separation, while technically remaining within one Church of England. Shaw said that there were various ways this kind of structural differentiation could be achieved, but worried that until the bishops moved on from their doomed attempt to find a compromise solution, it would not gain any momentum. I think there's a public document there called Guarding the Deposit, which looks at a number of the different options, and sort of, you know, basically says once you've thought about what might be needed, what might be helpful long term, you end up with a sort of seven-year provincial arrangement. Uh. Um, so in some ways, but you know, the CEC have done quite a lot of work over the last five, ten years. Um, you know, in making that sort of call, and certainly, I'm pretty sure that people are doing work behind the scenes. But in some ways, until the House of Bishops is, until the House of I don't think, basically, I don't think the House of Bishops is at all convinced that we'll need, we'll need structural changes if there are any, you know, changes to the pastoral practice or yeah. doctrine of the Church of England. And so in some ways, it's, it's been hard for anybody to do the work until it's obviously worth doing the work because yeah. the House of Bishops have got it. But yeah, I mean, Church of England is council, yeah. You know, have been talking about visible structural differentiation for a while and have done some work on it. Huh. And obviously it would be complex, but probably less complex than another 10, 20, 30 years arguing over whether or not same-sex marriage can happen. Yeah. I certainly think you're right that the sense I feel from everyone is that people want to make a decision and they don't want another yeah. 10 years of kicking the can down the road and consultation and, and fighting and, and mess. Um, yeah, and if they do come up with commended liturgy, I mean, there is no way, the only way that would move things along is if it upsets enough conservatives and liberals that they leave um, and, you know, things can settle down again. And I, this sometimes has been, in some conversations I've had with people at the centre of things, it's sort of slight, a slight sort of, well, we can afford to leave, we can afford to lose the sort of, the hardline 
fundamentalists at either end of the spectrum. And, and then things will calm down and think, you know, everything will be okay again once we sort of... I, 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 I think they've misread things. Um, but that's certainly been something that's been said to me a number of times over the last five, ten years. Yeah. Is, well, of, of course, we'll do something. People, the fundamental side of the side will, will leave. And I presume behind that is then a hope that this issue will go away because the people that really care about it have left. But as well as persuading the bishops to redraw the entire structure of the C of E so that Conservatives can remain, Shaw's side also need to win round the progressive wing. It is far from certain that Liberals like Jane Ozan would back these differentiation reforms, even if they were a necessary price to pay to win the great prize of gay marriage in church. Well, personally, I do not believe that they should be allowed to um, teach young children that who they are is sinful and unacceptable. So I believe they should have a role. Start. Personally, you know, I just, I, I'm not there. I, I don't think they should have differentiation. I don't, I think they should be told upright and to their face that what they do is damaging and sinful and frankly causes a significant amount of harm. Do you think the best way to get to what you really want, what the majority of the church probably wants, i.e., you know, full equal marriage rights, would be some kind of, to you, a very unpalatable compromise, which would kind of create a kind of carve out for for conservatives, or is that a no, price too high? I, 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 I know it's not what you want me to say, but no, I don't. I think they should leave. That is so. That is why I'm not going to compromise on what you're saying. So I actually, I cannot compromise on safeguarding matters. These are young people's lives we're talking about, and the sooner that people really get, people don't get that, Tim. And that you can hear the anger in my voice because yeah. they think they think it's all about campaign. It is not. I don't think they should be given any differentiation. I think they should uh, be treated. We don't give people. So here's the answer: we don't give people who don't agree with divorce any differentiation. This is no different. And I think it's ridiculous. I do not agree with the differentiation we gave on women's um, principle, uh, pr you know, priests. Myself, I think that is damaging and unholy. Um, and, you know, the church is imploding and disintegrating. And we, you know, we need some strong leadership, which is what has been lacking through all of this. However the Synod debates next month unfold, there is a determination by activists on all sides to properly deal with the fractures of same-sex relationships once and for all. Because if some kind of settlement is not found, both wings are threatening to leave. Conservatives often say that without the sweeping reorganisation of the church they're calling for, some of their number will quit, and there are several breakaway Anglican movements already ready and waiting to receive any traditionalist parishes which walk away in protest. But the same is true for the progressives. Jane Ozan said that while conservatives threatened to leave but never actually did, liberals disgusted by the decades of delay in welcoming gay couples have long been abandoning Anglicanism in dribs and drabs without any ceremony, often instead joining more pro-LGBT denominations, such as the Methodists. The debate that is about to be unleashed will inevitably shape the already precarious future of the Church of England for the rest of the 21st century. Will it continue with traditional Christian teaching on marriage or become the latest major denomination to shift its position in response to sweeping changes in society? Years of talking while kicking the issue into the long grass have done nothing but heighten tensions and frustrations on all sides. Both factions are now deeply entrenched in their views, yet also determined to postpone confrontation no longer. 
Both have warned that they could abandon the CV in droves if the outcome goes against them. The stakes for next month's rumble in the Synod could hardly be any higher. That's it for this week's Premier Christian Newscast. But if you've enjoyed what you've heard, please do leave us a review on whatever podcast app you use. And why not also tell a friend about the show? Don't forget to also subscribe to the podcast on your phone or tablet to ensure that you receive each episode automatically sent to your device week by week. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Premier Christian Newscast. 